Welcome to EdTech Insiders, where we speak with founders, operators, investors, and thought leaders in the education technology industry and report on cutting-edge news in this fast-evolving field from around the globe. From AI to XR to K-12 to L&D, you'll find everything you need here on EdTech Insiders. And if you like the podcast, please give us a rating and a review so others can find it more easily. Rebecca Agostino is the VP of Learning at Multiverse, leading the design and delivery of the apprenticeship experience for the organization. Previously, she was the founding principal of Freedom Prep High School, a college preparatory school in Camden, New Jersey, and a special educator in New York City. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So first question, tell me a little bit about what Multiverse has been up to in the last year since we've uh, connected. Where has it expanded its offerings? How is it thinking about this new era? Yeah, so we closed a funding round in June that has allowed us to really continue investing in our tech product and expand both in the UK and the US. We have a number of programs in both regions, as you noted, serving early career professionals and mid-career professionals who are breaking into tech and business without a college degree. Some things that are really top of mind for us right now, exploring the world of durable skills mm. and how that is such a key unlock to helping apprentices move from theoretical knowledge to practical application and also success on the job. You know, the difference between being aware of project management techniques and actually managing a complex project big gap. Right. And, and the real key there are, are durable skills. How do you communicate? How do you manage conflict? How do you speak publicly um, and, and convey and, and bring messages? Like All of those skills come together to really determine whether or not an apprentice is successful on the job. Also spending a lot of time thinking about the role of the manager mm-hmm. of the apprentice. You know, if we think about the apprentice's talent as the product of the apprenticeship program, the recipient of that, then it really is the manager of the person supervising the apprentice, leading a team to which the apprentice has joined, and how the apprentice really accelerate the work, the culture, the energy, the ideas on that team. So how we serve the managers, how we support them, how we help enable them to support the apprentices is a real priority um, of ours this year as well. That's fantastic. So if I'm not mistaken, Multiverse's model is that people are doing apprenticeships at a company, but there's also learning experiences that Multiverse is providing in parallel. And it sounds like a lot of what you're thinking about is durable skills, you know, power skills, the different names. Those are notoriously tough to teach, but I'm sure as a VP of learning, you've been thinking about this a lot. Tell us a little bit about what it means to teach skills like, you know, critical thinking, enthusiasm, you know, dealing with adversity and things like that. What does it look like on the ground? I actually don't think that they're hard to teach. I think you break them down in the same way that you break down a technical skill. I think where there's there's sometimes discomfort in breaking it down in an, almost an awkwardness or a fear of actually explaining to someone this mm. is what's expected, mm. but that's exactly why there are barriers for so many people in breaking into the to the professional or business space. Our learners really benefit if you can say, here are the unwritten rules of your workplace. On time actually means early. Uh, this is what business casual means. Uh, if your manager says, talk to me anytime, they actually do not mean talk to me anytime. <laughs> they mean filter your questions through this lens. We can help our apprentices to navigate those uncomfortable situations by providing durable skill instruction that is really clear and explicit, and then continue coaching so that they can keep going back to their coach to say, okay, I know you said this is how I should manage up in this circumstance. What about that circumstance? And I think a key in this space is group coaching, which we've been expanding over the past few years because apprentices get so much value by hearing their peers navigate similar durable skills, but in very different mm-hmm. settings. And then they're able to build their toolkit to say, okay, I know 
how to apply this skill in this setting, but my you know, my friend or my colleague or this apprentice that I, I met through the community platform mm. is talking about doing it this other way. And so now I, I've learned from them and I know how to do that too. We just see a lot of value in these communities of learners and we don't think that should be exclusive to the higher ed space or an in-person experience, but it's actually something that we can build into our programs too. And that's really interesting. And, you know, with adult learners, which I think all of your your learners, adult learners, that kind of sharing of experience and expertise and different situations, you know, how things have been applied in different situations can be so powerful because people really do have life lived experiences. They have actually done things in the past and learned from them that they can share with each other. How do you facilitate the group learning in the workplace? Do all the different apprentices are apprentices at the same company and then they connect or are, are, do you have apprentices from different companies coming together to talk? We do group coaching in both formats and we see a lot of value in both. You know, a group of apprentices are all at the same employer. They might have a lot uh, to talk about. They might say, oh, you know how our, we have a company culture of X and, you know, they're all trying to navigate through that similar space. There's also, again, to that point about, you know, seeing different case studies, there's a lot of value of apprentices from different either you know, employers, but even industries, mm. talking about how they're applying some of the same con- mm. concepts. And, and, you know, what's amazing about durable skills is we say they persist across roles and functions. They also right. persist across employers. Mm. And in speaking with apprentices at different settings, they're able to see some of the nuances of how culture manifests, how, you know, to make decisions. Oh, oh my team is really direct, so we give feedback directly. My, my team is less direct, so this is how I'm able to ask for something that I need. And, and they can see those details that really help you to navigate different yeah, I love this point about making the hidden rules of the workplace very explicit and actually teaching them directly. This is something that's been a huge problem, especially with equity, because people who are coming from underprivileged or under-resourced backgrounds had no role models. They have had very little experience with these type of, you know, unwritten, untold, never spoken professional roles. I'm curious how you think about equity. You know, when you're bringing learners, whether they're young learners or reskillers or mid-career professionals, professionals, how do you ensure that your cohort is sort of reaching people that represent a diverse part of the population? So we have an admissions team that builds relationships with community organizations and brings apprenticeship opportunities to a diverse population. And, and so many of our employers partner with us because they understand that their workforces, especially in tech, are not representative of our world. And they don't know how to go about right. actually reaching the, yes. the average American. Yep. And, and and there's an increasing understanding, and I think we see this a lot here at ASUGSB, that the way that we have been doing things is not going to be the way of the future. And also that our existing systems certainly don't serve learners equitably, but are also doing a disservice to employers, that they know that there are there is so much talent in our world that they don't have access to. And so our, again, our admissions team is able to find apprentices. We support them in interviewing with our clients, going through you know, the resume building process, interview practice, doing a lot of durable skill training at, at that part of the stage as well, and then helping them to get hired and start their apprenticeship at, at our partners. And then to the, to the piece on equity and, and durable skills, you know, I think that one thing that's been interesting to see is that a lot of our, I think just a lot of managers in general have a pretty strong growth mindset around technical skills. Mm. You know, I know you're working on pivot tables. That's actually not how you do it, but here's how you do it. Durable skills are often an area where people don't bring a growth mindset. They say, oh, this person is late. They must not care. Or this person sent a very informal email. They must not respect me. Or, you know, people jump to these sort of crazy conclusions just because the other person might not know what the norms are in their specific culture or space. And so I think durable skills are a major equity issue and and can really break down a lot of barriers there. And, And there's also an education piece that 
must happen with employers and managers too, to say these skills are teachable and, and learnable and direct feedback is really important. And couldn't we all use that radical candor <laughs> in our lives and workforces? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, you know, you mentioned the managers being a big part of this process. And I think that's, it's such an important relationship. I know the stat about people leaving their jobs. It's almost always because of the managers and there's all sorts of potential tension there. I'd love to hear is <laughs> a little bit of a curveball from that, but it's true. One of the big topics at this conference is artificial intelligence. Of course, there's all these new things happening and a lot of panels and a lot of people are asking, you know, how is this going to change? The workforce? How is it going to, is it going to displace jobs? What is it going to really do? I'm curious how you at Multiverse sort of see how to prepare people for, you know, not only to work with their managers and their teams now, but to be able to have those durable skills, even if the world starts changing in some really unexpected ways. You know, I think durable skills actually become more important as technology is having an outsized role in, in our workforces that human element, navigating lots of different opinions, navigating people's emotions, framing in a way that really resonates with different audiences. Those are all things that are pretty uniquely human and maybe one day <laughs> that will change. But for now, um, equipping our apprentices with skills to bring those elements, that thoughtfulness that a machine cannot bring is, is so important. And, and I think you know what's so interesting in these questions around ChatGPT and AI are the fact that these technologies will change work and learning. So yes. we have questions about, you know, how can ChatGPT help us to customize assignments and feedback for apprentices, but also how does it change the actual work that the apprentice is doing on the job? And it's pretty incredible the amount of unknowns there are yes. <laughs> right now that we're all navigating together. But I think there's some things that, that we know to be true in terms of the value of learning and communities and people learning with their peers and having meaningful discussion and partnership as they grow, as, as we've been talking about the importance of durable skills mm -hmm. and, and the, the human element that, mm -hmm. that we bring. And I think throughout all of this, the importance of, in our model, the coach or the human educator, mm. that one thing to learn technical skills from a computer, from you know asynchronous and independent work, but there's just such power in having a trusted partner in mm. navigating career change. And coaching is even more important now with all of these unknowns around technology, because we're not going to be able to predict all the answers, but having a trusted coach who can support you in those transitions, that is incredibly valuable. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, the, the relationship piece. So <laughs> I feel like there's this constant push and pull as we think about the future of, of AI between relationship building and human, like our natural humanity and our relationships with each other. And then this new intelligence that is not a real friend, it's not a real teacher, it's not a real tutor, it's not a real coach, but we want it to be really effective the same way we want tutors and coaches and managers to be effective. It's a really strange time. One other question for you about the AI, and then I want to find out what you're excited about at the conference. So you're mentioning that AI is going to change learning and it's a VP on learning. I'm sure you're thinking a lot about that and it's going to change work. I'm curious on the work side, do you see a future where, you know, the whole concept of an apprenticeship is you're working under people that know more about the thing than you're doing. But we're, I think, about to enter a world where work tools change incredibly fast, where these co-pilots appear everywhere. And there's a real chance that, you know, people just entering the workforce can be as skilled as their managers or their manager's manager in a very short time. I'm curious how you're thinking about that world. Like, what are the, you know, quote unquote, technical or at least like tool building skills that you want to offer these apprentices so they can succeed in this extremely unknown new world? 
That's such a great question. And I think so much of that is the value of bringing new talent into an organization. So this is certainly exaggerated with uh, AI tools, but anytime an apprentice joins a company, they're bringing cutting edge understanding of the most recent and relevant technologies to that team. And again, I think that's most pronounced here in, in this conversation, but we hear from our apprentices and their managers all the time that apprentices are also teaching their teams. They're saying, oh, there's a new technique that everyone's talking about, or have you tried managing your time this way that my coach just right. taught me? And that's such a benefit to organizations supporting junior talent, yeah. bringing them in, and also fostering the talent that they do have through continued learning. And yeah. we're entering this era where we will all be novices yeah, to some exactly. degree, and I hope that that can open more opportunities and conversations for welcoming junior talent into teams. Yeah, I love that phrase. We'll all be, we're all novices in this new world. And that novice has a specific meaning in learning science too. There's ways to, you know, teach novices. So we're here in the second day of the conference. There've been all sorts of interesting things. There's over 7,000 people here. I'm curious what your take has been. What is, what have been some of your big takeaways and what is the, the zeitgeist this year in your opinion? You know, one thing that I've been reflecting on is that the conversations I'm hearing are not, does there need to be an alternative to college? The conversations are, since there need to be right. more choices <laughs> and more options for young people and people throughout the course of their careers, what might they be? How do we measure quality? Yeah. What do we think about nuance? And you know, for me, having been in education for over a decade, I think that's a really different conversation than one that we were having years ago and a really exciting turning point to yeah. say, you know, <laughs> we're generally on the same page about the need for options and alternatives. And there's a lot of commonality in what we're seeing doesn't work. It can be almost more solutions oriented than that place. And I think that's just tremendously exciting. Something else I've been thinking about is you know, there are a lot of innovators here, a lot of startups, leaders in higher education who are looking at alternatives, new funders, of course. And also most conversations end on a question about policy and scale. Yeah. Okay, we're all innovating, we're, we're creating new ideas, but to to bring this to the average person across the entire country, we're really going to need policy support. And that's a, I think an interesting place to be in, but also a really exciting one because so many different people are trying new things and mm. can bring that information to policy leaders with really important data that, that we now have as, as we're continuing to evolve and how we measure learning to say this is, this is the way forward. You know, I think sort of similarly, conversations often come down to, and it's certainly in the apprenticeship space, about the role of the employer and and what do employers want? How do they measure success? What are they willing to fund? And I think the thought I've had is that we haven't had employers at the table in these conversations at ASUGSD. We're speculating about what they want. As as an apprenticeship provider, we have a lot of feedback and then data about what they want. But the shift that we're seeing from higher education to being so focused on getting learners in seats to delivering outcomes in the workforce, which Mm. is essentially for employers, really requires that employers are at the table, that we're inviting their insights and feedback about curriculum and learning styles and delivery models. And I think there's such an exciting opportunity to literally bring them to the table in the future so they can be included in the conversation. Absolutely. That's such an interesting combination. So just putting these together, you know, the idea that it's now kind of accepted wisdom that the traditional formal university path is, you know, not only not the only path, it is absolutely not, it can't be the path for the type of change we want to have in our society. It's something I've been beating the drum on for a long time, any listeners will know, but it's also really, uh, it does feel like that has shifted at this point. I've heard a lot about like skills-based hiring and skills assessment and see this sort of idea of if we all accept the university degree is not the sort of big gold star stamp that it 
that it has always been the unpackable, you know, if it's on your resume, you're hireable. If it's not, you're not, which has just been crazy. Then we have to actually do the work to break everything down to, to understand what the durable skills are. And that seems to relate to the employers, right? That they, you, then you need to get in front of those employers and say, what are you actually looking for? Let's go beyond the job description. Let's go deep into what you're actually doing and figure out how to teach you. It's a, it's a really could be a big turning point moment. Absolutely agreed. And also there's a huge risk that if we don't bring them along in the journey, they will select proxies for talent quality that are just as inequitable as the ones that we're using right now. And there's, again, this opportunity to bring them along in the conversation, make sure that their needs are being met so that nonprofits and innovators and community organizations are making decisions in partnership with the employer that really have the best interest of the average American, especially those that have been historically excluded and underserved yes. um, at, at top of mind. Absolutely. It makes me think of things like culture fit or self-starter, these sort of undefinable terms that people look for in interviews that gives them sort of the excuse to hire people like them and remove anybody else without an actual benchmarked assessment of any kind. It's an exciting time. I'm really excited for this for learners and for employers and for, well, in this conversation, maybe not for universities, but they're going to be adopting in all the sorts of ways when this kind of alternative is available. Thanks so much for being here with me, Rebecca Agostino, VP of Learning at Multiverse EdTech Unicorn in London and New York. Yeah, really changing the face of the workforce. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of EdTech Insiders. If you like the podcast, remember to rate it and share it with others in the EdTech community. For those who want even more EdTech Insider, subscribe to the free EdTech Insiders newsletter on Substack.